As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Alternative talk you can trust. The X. Welcome to Strange Recon. I'm here to discuss the so-called flying saucers. Get out of your f***ing mind. It is nothing more than an observation balloon. Of course, we we both knew differently. Now, I saw that. I don't give a goddamn what anybody else says about it. I saw that on film. Phil Clasp, kissed my ass. He wasn't there. I was. When you know all the names in every language of that bird, you know nothing, but absolutely nothing about the bird. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. But you're crazy. What's going on, Recon? Welcome to another episode of Strange Recon Podcast. I'm your host here, Jeff White Bear Kingsbury, and on Strange Recon, we feature credible and credentialed witnesses, experiencers, researchers, and investigators. We leave no stone unturned. We pull no punches. We don't worry if the topic's too woo. And of course, we turn the scope of observation back on ufology quite often. Today, we have a special one for you. Uh, bow your heads, because you're among royalty. That's right, we have on... Someone who has contributed more to ufology than uh, than a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of people dream of doing their entire life. She's a, a published author, and her work is amazing. A longtime friend and colleague of Stanton Friedman and so many others from ufology, we have the niece of Betty and Barney Hill, an absolute legend in the field. Please welcome Kathleen Martin legacy in your involvement in ufology in your family's involvement i suppose because of you uh d- did not end there in the 60s in the early 60s with an incident uh that happened in new hampshire you continued you held the torch essentially and you continued on and uh and you know researching and investigating the topic you've known so many key figures you've contributed so much to the field with your your, your authored work and of course through aggression and things like that and you know you're you're one of these people that are an asset to those who know and, you know, of course, uh, um, I would love to spread the awareness and get the more word out there and attract some attention to you. 
uh, as well here. But for for those who don't know the, the key relationship you had with your uncle and aunt there in New Hampshire at the time, can you just tell us a little bit about like the, uh, you know, that incident and in, in remember the last time you were on, I asked you specifically, I was like, what was it like being 13 years old and having these two people walk up to you essentially and, and lay this in front of you? And what did you think then? And I was shocked at your answer. I assumed that <laughs> you were going to be like a 13 year old. So I'm like, I don't care. I'd rather go get ice cream with my friends or something. But in fact, you were enthralled. Is that correct? I was enthralled. Uh, Betty phoned my mother on the afternoon that they arrived home from their trip where uh, they had a close encounter, very close encounter, uh, less than 200 feet and at one point less than 100 feet and then landed uh, craft. And uh, my mother told me about it. I just arrived home from school and overheard part of the conversation. And I was just incredibly interested in this. I've, I've always been very curious. And I think that that's what has made me a, a good student and a good researcher along the way. And so I continue to do that. But you know, the first thing I wanted was to go to Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was about 20 miles from my childhood home. Uh, just to hear the story with my own ears and to look at the evidence. And so I was really excited about doing that a couple of days later when my father drove us down to Betty and Barney's home. Now, um, do you remember the exact appearance they like the way that uh the difference between the last time you had seen your uncle maybe and this time or was there was there a physical looking difference there was definitely a difference in barney's demeanor because he uh was much loved by us and uh he always paid a lot of attention to us the my brothers played chess with him uh, he always had some kind of a joke or funny trick or something for us. And this time we were told that Barney was expecting a telephone call that had to have been from Pease Air Force Base. And we should not get near him. We should not speak with him. My father sat quietly with him in the corner of the room while we went to uh, the kitchen with Betty and she told us about what had happened. And then she led us outside to their vehicle. And we saw those spots on the trunk of the car that had not been there before that uh, craft hovered over the top of the car. And Betty and Barney heard those code-like buzzing sounds and then found these new, highly polished, uh, perfect circles, all about the size of uh, half dollars. Very strange, very strange. I always, it just this this case just blows my my mind. Is you know I've read um, your book Captured. Um, the, you know, I think that I think that you really did a great analysis. Was Stan Friedman worked on that with you as well? Correct. Yes, he yeah. did. He vetted my work for accuracy and he wrote two chapters in the book. 
it was phenomenally well put together like in a linear i mean you really break down what every single person had said about the case had dismissed it or not or looked into it or what they did and uh their contribution to it and, and it really does paint the picture that a lot of the debunkers debunked it from you know the other side of the world with little less than a glance that's you know the whatever else someone had said it was almost copy and paste debunking type of thing but it is an amazing work and it's on amazon and it's on kindle and i believe there's an audio version of it as well i think right yes there yeah. is and uh let me say that i we have recently released the 60th anniversary edition and i updated that with new uh scientific evidence and information so uh, there's a whole That's new awesome. section. Someone just wrote to me who had uh, picked it up and read it and said, it seemed like a whole new book to them, but it, <laughs> it isn't a whole new book. I did correct uh, inaccuracies here or there. There weren't many, but um, I corrected those and uh, added a little bit here and there throughout the book as well. So I'm very pleased. And talking about these, uh, scoffers, all of the disinformation appears to have come from Philip Klass, who um, yes. in 1966 read his first book on UFOs. It was uh, The Incident at Exeter by John Fuller. And his second book was The Interrupted Journey about Betty's and Barney's experience and also by John Fuller. Uh, now, the evidence was not in those books. Uh, so uh, it was basically it revolved around uh, Fuller's uh, uh, decision on what hypnosis tapes to put in and he would re reword them um, for a clearer understanding, I guess, of what Betty and Barney stated. And but Philip Class started out with the idea that he had to uh, debunk all of everything, and he decided that the first uh, set of hypotheses that he would use would be ball lightning. So he tried to attribute every UFO sighting, even the close encounter with Betty and Barney, to ball lightning, and that didn't work. And so then he rewrote the story so that Betty and Barney didn't have that close encounter. He eliminated everything that is in the Air Force's original uh, record and also in uh, the original archival documents from say uh, the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena uh, that clearly states that Barney walked into that close encounter field and observed entities that he described as being somehow not human, that they were dressed in black shiny uniforms, they frightened him greatly. Well, that simply disappeared from Philip Class's story. Uh, now Betty and Barney were traveling on narrow winding roads. They were extraordinarily tired, which is not true. And, uh, they saw a light in the sky that never moved, not once. And uh, in this story, it goes on and on that, uh, of course, then Betty had some dreams after she read a book on yeah. UFOs. And uh, 
And Barney heard about that dream and that's where the whole thing came from, which is absolutely absurd if you read and know what the evidence is uh, regarding their case. But they really tried very, very hard to cover up the evidence. And it, 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 I mean, you you do such a great job in the book uh, outlining uh, or highlighting rather what the skeptics are saying. And when it comes down to it, when you look at the grand scale, since we've had so much time since the Betty and Barney Hill incident of other UFO investigations, it's basically like the playbook. I mean, it, it really they they come in and they and they try so hard to find every every increment of the scenario if they even address it. It's with the they use Occam's razor in a sense, like it's, 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 it doesn't, it's almost illogical to keep doing that lazy debunking yet. It's almost one of the pop, most popular ways to treat these cases. I don't know. I don't want to rant on it. Cause I don't want to give them any more, any more um, <laughs> attention, but Phil class <laughs> is in the intro of the show. And it's of uh, Robert Jacobs saying, Phil class can kiss my ass. Excuse my language because it's, <laughs> I, I would listen to all mine his, too. <laughs> <laughs> I would listen to all his interviews and, and everything he would say about the, the UFO case. It reminds me so hard of, of just trying, it, you take all, all these parts of the case and you throw them away so that you can now recreate the context in which you're trying to do. It makes no sense. And I'm just, all I can do is put myself in your uncle's shoes and thinking, how could a grown man or woman go from seeing a light in the sky to full-blown panic like they're you know like their lives were in danger i mean that that to me goes i mean that it's just such a leap in faith who who have you ever heard anyone doing that being confused at a star in the sky to the point of pure panic and hysteria it's just i've never heard of that ever no no absolutely not and the objective of these people and i believe that some of these people were employed by the federal government as disinformants but the point is to remove the facts in the case, rewrite it uh, in a very sketchy way, and then uh, add uh, speculative arguments. And, yes. and, and that's it. So, but to those who don't know the facts in the case, how would they know? And it was uh, a ploy to deceive the public. Yeah. It, it it's wild. And, you know, to see, I remember, and you worked closely with Stan Friedman, um, you know, pretty well famed ufologist, been on the topic for forever, rest his soul, but he, he was a true asset to ufology. And it did add that le level of scrutiny to give back to that other side. And we've, I've watched these, his frustration. I can only imagine him trying to deal with it. So he, what did he think of Phil Class over the Betty and Barney Hill case personally? I mean, he must have flew off the handle a few times with you over what was Phil Class was saying. Well, Certainly, and uh, Stanton was an avid debater. He had been on the debate team in high school. He graduated number one in his high school class at age 16. He had been admitted to or accepted to MIT, but his family was working class. They couldn't afford to send him there. He went to Rutgers for a couple of years and then transferred to the University of Chicago, where he finished his Bachelor of Science degree and his master's degree. And uh, he was brilliant. He was meticulous in his research. And he took on those that he called them debunkers. I'm the one who calls them disinformants because in, in my definition of debunker, you take the bunk out of a story. They don't take it out, they add it. 
So, but Stanton That's called good. Developers. he he uh, very much enjoyed debating them, and and uh, you know it it was about sparring. I said, told Stanton, that's not what I'm going to do because I want the answers and I'm not going to waste my time sparring with these people who are simply seeking attention to sell another book or uh, you know something else. I'm, I'm going to do the hard research, the groundbreaking research that is going to lead to the answers of what this phenomenon, or I should say these phenomena, are all about and that's what i've done and you certainly have put in so much. i mean i can't I, I can only imagine you probably have thousands of hours of recorded regressions and and just contributions to uh to the field in so many different ways but uh, one of the other work works that you put out there was um oh my gosh i'm, I'm so dumb i just I don't keep the recorded regressions by the way oh you don't okay okay i don't, don't because of uh you know Personal. all of that is protected by law it is all confidential. Okay. So the work that I do with most people privately is is confidential and won't be released unless uh, I have a signed contract. Yeah, well, I would like to talk to you about that in a second, too, because I, there are many questions I have about what you do and exactly how it all works when it comes to the patients and their thoughts of listening to themselves and everything like that and hearing kind of the breakthrough moments. But um, one of the other works you put out that I thought was I thought it was really great because we it it constantly has to be kept in your mind while looking at some of these major UFO cases with a significant evidence and almost like paradigm shifting events. I, I say paradigm shifting very loosely, but you wrote um, uh, the science was wrong. The startling truth about cures theories and inventions that declared the impossible and that and you know we we've seen time and time again that it's on both sides of the spectrum, but time and time again we've seen we've heard and read and listen to these claims from the science community, especially major figures from certain departments like the Royal Astronomical Society or, or, or you know, someone at the Hayden Planetarium. And they just declare falsifiable statements that this is not true and this is nothing to it. And there's no secret exotic sciences out there. And it, it, it's, all, again, it's like a, such a flaw in human nature. It's, it has its benefits to declare that all bunk in certain ways, but at the same time, it really is illogical. And you did outline uh, nicely examples after examples of, of time and time again when this happened. And, and um, can you talk about that a little bit to the audience? Because it's something we talk about a lot here, the tech side of it, the, the, the we're always wrong type of mentality. <laughs> well, we talked about uh, uh, professors, scientists on high who made declarations of impossibility. They knew this was impossible. Oftentimes they destroyed the lives and reputations of the scientists who differed with them. And in the end, the other scientists were absolutely correct. But there are people today who adhere to the zeitgeist of the old guard. The reason for this, uh, from what I know, is that they uh, want to be held uh, in high regard by their peers. There's a great deal of pre peer pressure uh, to remain conservative and not to even look at this information that involves uh, UFOs, the unknown, uh, the paranormal, or anything like that. And 
Um, the thing that I think is, is the point that's extraordinarily important to make is that the federal government has now uh, released files uh, and those are in the book, um, Skinwalker at the Pentagon. And if you read that, you will know that everything that they have been hesitant about, everything they've declared as impossible is happening and has been confirmed by the scientists who have done this hard work. And also it's consistent with the research findings of the three major studies that I have worked on mostly with, with PhD scientists. Now, that's, um, she, she's referring, of course, to uh, Dr. Lekatsky and Colm Kelleher's book, uh, Skinwalkers of the Pentagon, just re recently released about three months ago, I believe. And it's a mm -hmm. very fascinating book. And it's kind of, it does outline, you know, a kind of a scary side to what a lot of people uh, would say that doesn't exist. But there's a, quite a few cases he mentions in there where the health effects are pretty significant. And have you ever run into anything like that with your patients or found out that Abs they have it? Absolutely. And in my own family, too. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, Betty had that kind of uh, disease, almost like chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. She had to leave her profession early because of the health problems she was having. My mother had those problems. I was sick for about 20 years wow. with the same thing. And uh, finally, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, speak with uh, an ET through an experiencer in Australia who was able to let me speak with, directly with an ET uh, via Zoom, or I guess it was Skype. And anyway, uh, I was healed. They came, uh, they took me so, to uh, a different environment and they healed me and I have not had a relapse. So uh, many, many people have developed the symptoms of chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome or autoimmune dysfunction, uh, such as Hashimoto's disease, Graves' disease, rheumatoid arthritis. I've worked with people who develop rheumatoid arthritis after uh, an encounter. So yes, there's, there is something that occurs and I'm uh, heartened by the fact that uh, people who request healing are receiving it. Very interesting, so, yeah, and I have, heard, I have heard quite a few cases as well. I, I, I probably have heard just as many healing cases as I have, as I have heard about the negative cases and of course it's it, they're rare right we, we, we ultimately they're rarer they're probably the rarest of the cases i would say probably right other than actually going on board a craft or something and flying away would you say that they're quite quite rare i mean to find someone who's been healed like yourself um well no? they're not that rare anymore <laughs> okay. they're no. not that rare anymore they were rare back in um from i think 2000 to 2010 um, I started uh, telling people to ask for healing probably in about 2012 or 13. And I started hearing from a number of people that they had been healed. 
And this is, I think, the reason why so many experiencers want to continue their relationship with these non-human entities. Our statistics say 71% of the experiencers in common and 74% of those who uh, are in the abductee category want to continue this relationship. They, yeah. People are being given information and they're being healed as well. I'd like to present you with a scenario and hear your thoughts on it since you've been so involved, of course, and such a key figure in ufology and this the field in general. I don't know. Would you even, yeah, we'll, we'll skip that. But um, so I, I, I was getting into meditation. I, I'm not, I, I can't meditate very well. I'm the, I'm the worst at it. I, it's very hard for me. I like to really get tired, like working out and then maybe trying it because I feel like maybe my brain is in a different place. But um, it started being where I would, I would say, you know what, I just feel like for some reason right now is the time I should go do it. And I wouldn't even get a chance to meditate. I would just see something abruptly the second I close my eyes in a very directional way, as in if I close my eyes this way, I'd see it. But if I turn this way, I would no longer see it, which would suggest even with your eyes closed, there's direction and stuff, which is very weird. I don't know how to accept that. But this is this is something I've talked about on the show uh, a few times recently, but it's it still to this day sits with me. Every time I close my eyes now, I look for it because I could not believe what I saw. Um, but do you do you adhere to there are different like visually speaking, these things have any type of real form ultimately, because what I saw was shocking. It, to, to me, it was shocking. I wasn't like scared. I was in awe, but I saw bright glowing red eyes. They were so bright and so glowing that I could not believe how glowing they were to the point where I literally had to open my eyes multiple times, look for a LED that was on in the room. But there, I was in an isolation room on a sailboat. I, I have a little <laughs> research vessel. Um, but uh, I, I see this thing, it shows up, it gets right up in front of my face and it is clearly like some sort of a, a culmination of a human, a, a, a monkey, a lizard, a frog, I don't even know. It was just like this weird looking thing that just stared at me in my face and then went away really slowly, turned around and walked away and my vision floated away. Um, what the heck was that? What the hell did I experience? I've never well, seen anything like it. You know, ever. there are... Uh, in, in my opinion, based on uh, all of the work that I've done in this field, there are shape-shifting, uh, I don't know if you want to call them ETs or non-humans in general, whether it is interdimensional or not. Then there are those that I believe really are extraterrestrials, and some of them come from different dimensions than ours. So uh, they, they have the ability to uh, lower their vibrational frequency through uh, technology, but it's easier for them to increase our vibrational frequency uh, to theirs and uh, go to where they are. So they can be in our presence, and, uh, but we can't see them. Uh, when they come into my presence, I feel a strong tingling sensation, uh, uh, especially in my crown chakra. Oh, and man. then sometimes uh, they communicate a message to me. Uh, Is it in English? Like you hear, you hear it? No, 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 it's more in pictures. It's sort of, it wasn't there and then it's there. It's like, I understand it. That's the, that's the way it seems to me. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I've never heard, I have heard people tell me that, and I've had multiple experiences tell me that they do hear like almost direct words, sometimes in a person's voice they've never heard before, sometimes in their own voice. But I have only ever seen what I can only say is like movie scenario. I, it's, I don't know if I'm remote viewing. I don't know if I'm being, I'm channeling. I don't know if, I don't know what is going on. I just know that something random happens once in a while in these in this in this state that I, I I start to find a lot of similarities and equivalencies in people that have gone through regressive therapy hypnosis and kind of come out with all types of stuff that I'm I'm like noting in myself. I'm like, oh my God, this is like the last 10 years. I've been writing stuff down like this. And this mm-hmm. person's saying, so um, do you have a lot of people that that uh, or have you ever worked with anyone that in general feels like they are, it, you said, okay, so a second ago, you said they lower your vibration easier for them to take you to, for you to go to them. Does that have a corresponding feeling and emotion or things when it's happening? Is it happening when they're asleep? Is it happening when they're just walking down the street? Cause that's another thing I'd like to ask you about something along. <laughs> I know of one case where it happened late at night to a man who was just walking down the street, but for the most part, uh, it happens when people are sleeping that, you know, they come at night and uh, they use a special beam sort of a type of light uh, that is almost sort of like a carrier beam. And there will be three that will come down and take you into that beam. And then you find yourself on the craft and when they're finished, the same thing happens in reverse. They uh, oftentimes will be very careful about tucking you in and make sure that you're in that bed just so. But sometimes you just uh, wake up when you're being dropped onto the bed. So it, it's not always consistent. And I'm, I'm guessing that you, there's a remarkable number of people that talk about waking up with a light outside of the window or in their room and then with a person by their bed or something like that. And I'll tell you that I, I cannot believe how many people that have never shown any interest in this topic whatsoever, when I kind of probe them, I chose that word, uh, but when I ask them about like their life and I tell them what I do, I cannot believe how many people have told me about a short little bulbous headed man that used to sit at the side of their bed or something when they were a child and they see a light outside the window or this one that I've heard a couple times recently, they see a light outside of the window and all the plants that are in that light seem to be growing or moving and they yeah very interesting like almost like time doesn't affect time isn't working correctly in that light or something very strange but so how many people do you feel that have reported that type of thing you said three beings take you away is it um they is it i guess i mentioned the first time first thing they don't yeah when it's the grays when it's the the grays okay yeah and, and they're the most prevalent group and they, and they basically have the same operating procedure, mostly for most people. I've heard this kind of two ways they can kind of take you. Is that, have you heard that more like the easygoing way and then the, like the way when you're sleeping? Um, I know you said you heard of one case where a guy, when he was walking, uh, what, what happened in that case? Did he say what happened or? Yeah, it was, it was very late at night. He was taken uh, off the street somewhere and uh, he encountered uh, what we would think of as an Anunnaki type entity who gave him an extraordinary amount of knowledge that he didn't have previously. What did he describe? Like I have heard that term before, of course, multiple times. We've had multiple 
interviews with demonologists who bring them up a lot but what, what do they what did you describe the looks of it or yes um if you look at ancient pictures it would be uh the man with the beard um oh okay long hair kind of a helmet on the head with a staff mm -hmm. that's interesting that's okay yeah. so there's obviously you know i've always kind of hoped that even if we find out that some aliens are communicating with us on, on their own unique way interfacing with us we still run into aliens out there that might be just as confused about why they're also getting messages like this but um i know that uh, that some people say that anunnaki are really reptilians but you know those who knows i mean there's so much confusion in this field yeah i mean there's, there's so much information a lot of it it's hard to reconcile with one another you know almost like two people have an experience almost in the exact same moment and they're both getting messages that con conflict with one another. And then it really makes it confusing because it corresponds with everyone seeing something, pe both people saying, hey, I just got a message. And yet it's, you're like, well, what? I it's almost like it's all meant to be a puzzle <laughs> anyway, and it's hard to figure out. But I'd like to ask you something you probably don't get asked quite often. I, oh, maybe you do. I just, I haven't heard your answer, but like, this is kind of not so much on the UFO topic, just real quick, but it was 1961 when uh, Betty and Barney were abducted, um, and you you were probably one of, you know, obviously there were mixed race couples all over the place, but they weren't like it is today. It's not even close. There wasn't a the 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 separation in society and segregation and, and you know, sovereign segregation, if you will, was absolutely wild in comparison to what it's like today. So, what was it like to have an African American uncle at the time when you like? Is it was there anything that in general you you felt was entirely different and enlightening about having someone so culturally different in your family at the time or was it was it really no difference at all i didn't think of him as being culturally different hmm. uh, he he was just like another member of the family he he was bright he was inquisitive uh he was uh uh, of, of high standing in the community and the activities that he participated in, um, such as, well, political activities, um, uh, activities using funds from the federal government to set up programs to benefit uh, people from the state of, for the state of New Hampshire, that sort of thing. So he was really someone that I looked up to uh, and admired for the work that he was doing. Awesome. I just, it feels, I felt like I wanted to ask because I grew up in Massachusetts and Southeastern Massachusetts. And I try to make people realize when they are so shocked at the, I mean, it's kind of weird how there's a lot of racism in Massachusetts. It's, it's, it's not uncommon for people to, if a very quote unquote liberal or progressive state that has an extreme level of class, you know, kind of differences here i don't know what it is with it, but it's it's like a race of san francisco in boston i don't know but um it's uh i i always just wonder because it, you know at the time it just seems like new hampshire would have been it worse but that might not have been the case i mean well, you always have your ignorant people right uh you know i i faced that uh with uh occasionally um being called a blank lover, oh. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, these were simply very mean and ignorant people. And you can't change those people. It's so ingrained in who they are. 
that you know they they cannot see it any differently. So try to just <laughs> remain away from those people. Uh, com communicate, associate with uh, enlightened, educated people yeah. who are are more open minded, who have uh, a, a greater awareness of what everyone is about. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know how his story was accepted by other African-Americans at the time, other Black people at the time? Was it Was it like... I, I don't I just don't I don't have any type of point of view or perspective to assume how a man of, of his stature in the world reported a UFO at the time that had him been so shocked. Oh, of course, it didn't come out right away. That's also something I want to talk about. I forget that this is a key feature to the story that so many people just disregard is that uh, Betty and Barney Hill did not go to the press to go tell the story to everyone seeking attention, which is the automatic assumption of anyone who would claim to have been you know, abducted by aliens or something. Um, that that blows my mind. So then, it, mixed with the fact they didn't want attention, and how did do you know how the communities accepted his story? Like he what, probably is the first African American man to ever say anything like this that it, publicly. I mean, as far as I could tell, I have never seen anything different. Was there anything that you noted as a note, or rather, I I really don't know how the African American community in particular. Um, uh, reacted to that story. Uh, anyone who knew Betty and Barney realized that they were credible people uh, who had this incredible experience. And when John Luttrell broke the story in the Boston Traveler, uh, it ran for five days in 
October of late October of 1965, and uh, the traveler sold the uh, highest number of copies of newspaper uh, than they ever had before. Uh, and the initial response, as far as I know, was positive. Uh, it was after Bill Class came on the scene in 1966. And, and by the way, it was published in 19, uh, well, The Travel of 65, the book, The Interrupted Journey in 66. So uh, kind of a coincidence that Phil Class suddenly came uh, forward as a expert on UFOs, which he was not. He was uh, simply someone who would fabricate information to disinform the public. But, um, you know, that was from the people that I've talked to. Uh, they say, well, that was really well accepted in that time frame because uh, I've said some radio show host is, would say, and, and then the story came out and no one believed them. Well, a lot of people contacted me after and said, of course they believed them. It was handled uh, very respectfully. The evidence was given by John Luttrell in that first report. And I've just recently gone through the all of those newspaper articles that he wrote. Uh, he did not have much information that was in the hypnosis tapes themselves, but he did have the Air Force files, uh, the NICAP files, and had spoken with a great many people uh, about what happened to Betty and Barney. So. Uh, why wouldn't you treat it respectfully if it was written in that manner? It, it certainly was a different time. And if you, when I look, when I read through your, your, your work and I'm looking, I'm like, you know, it's almost like this is, this, this was like almost the start of the war, if you will, the, 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 the cover up and whatnot. It was like the air force regionally speaking was very accommodating, treated them well. I mean, you're, they, they spent time on the air force base and, um, yes. Seemingly, they seemingly it was taken very serious, like you just said, very seriously and without major doubt. Like there was no, th this isn't a time where endless people were claiming to be abducted by aliens. You know, this isn't, you know, so this is a completely different. It's so hard to put it in the context and the feel of today because it's a very different time. I mean, it's very different. Um, before I forget, uh, what what would you classify those aliens as being? Were, were they the greys? even though they kind of seem to sh not shift, but almost change appearance, not, I guess not change appearance, but they, I, in one recording, didn't he say they kind of looked almost like fake human, almost like a German, like a, I can't remember how he described it. Uh, oh, well, Dr. Simon had said to Barney, uh, tell me everything in your past uh, that caused you to have the same kind of reaction, the same kind of fear. Oh, that's right. That's so right. Barney is looking up. He is absolutely terrified out of his mind because uh, all of a sudden, all of them, except for one, turn and walk to a panel. Uh, their arms go up and uh, this craft starts slowly descending in his direction. Something starts to drop out of the bottom of it and he becomes absolutely terrified that they have a plan 
to capture him. Now, he said to Dr. Simon, when as he's looking up at one in the window, um, he, he looks like a Nazi. And then he said, he is a Nazi. Well, I think that Barney had just gone beyond the brink at that point. He was uh, the most terrified he had ever been in his entire life and did not perceive this accurately. It might've been something during World War II. Um, this might've just been the fact that, he, that, that he's saying it is a Nazi is basically his mind's articulated limit of this is the scariest possible thing that I could think of, right? You know what I mean? Right. And so, and whereas opposed, yeah. it's like more of an analogy to what's actually happening than, than the, the actual case. Although, although, you know, I've heard so many cases in the past before though, that people have, uh, people have reported, um, you know, an alien face, but, or, or, uh, almost like, a uh, uh, you know, the body of someone like a nurse or a doctor or a Nazi or something in the face of something that is much scarier and darker, you know, it's almost a hybrid or something or, you know, whatever it may be. I've heard so many accounts like that, but of course they were the first, um, that, that really talked about it like this and it is terrifying i mean when i when i think about it, i think of what seeing james earl jones making those noises as a child in that film i just still and then i think then i went later in life to hear the actual recordings and it's horrifying it's horrifying i had a ufo experience when i was younger that i and i had nightmares on repeat for a few months afterwards it always involved my parents getting killed by a ufo and oh it, to gosh. me it, it was like shut up that's what it was like because Mm -hmm. It was wild. We, my mother and I, had a very close-up encounter with a UFO right here in southeastern Massachusetts, and uh, and it just, you know, for whatever. But I could only imagine being in a situation. Um, you know, he had a gun. They had a gun with him, correct? They what? did, and and he had the gun, but he wasn't able to draw it. Do you speculate on on that. I I know the facts, and you know, I've, I don't know if they made the decision to get him because he had a gun in his pocket you know who knows but yeah, i know <laughs> you know it's irrational they, to even add on top of already saw what he saw it was descending slowly in his direction something dropped down out of the bottom of it he pulled the binoculars away from his eyes so forcefully that he broke the leather strap and went tearing back to the car screaming to betty they had to get out of there or they were going to be captured uh, he had left the car running, the lights on. He shifted it into gear and went speeding down the highway. He and Betty heard these series of code-like buzzing sounds striking the trunk, caused the car to vibrate, a tingling sensation to pass through their bodies. The next thing they knew, they were 35 miles down the highway with uh, fragmented memories of what had happened in the interim. So, uh, you know, that was it, that was it. But Barney did in the original report say that these figures were dressed in black shiny uniforms. He didn't say they looked human. He didn't say they looked like Nazis. He said that they were somehow not human. And in every other hypnosis tape, and I have all of them, the entire set, uh, neither he nor Betty ever described a human being or a Nazi. Very interesting stuff. I mean, it puts that to rest then, because a lot of people co constantly talk about the Betty and Barney Hill case, just an example of, you know, Operation Paperclip 20 years, 30 years later. And it's, I, I don't know if that's the case. You but, know, a lot of people are conspiracy theorists and they like to falsify information 
to fit it into their conspiracy theory. I'm yeah. I'm a fact person. I don't do I don't confabulate. Do you, do you have you heard of any other cases in that area uh, that that are eerily similar or anything like that at all from that the mountain area right there in the state? Absolutely. Uh, I have a newspaper article from a man who in that same time frame who worked for uh, the town and uh, was out with a friend that night, uh, parked out by a body of water and the craft came down, hovered in the air very, very close to them, uh, just like it did with Barney. And then I uh, have investigated another case up there uh, where two women were traveling down the highway. They were going to her parents' home um, for a choir practice for the church. And uh, she had a little boy and she had her friend with her. And uh, there were many people stopped beside the road uh, because there was a UFO hovering next to the road. Uh, they finally got back into the car. They'd stopped to look at it, got back into the car, and because they had to get to the parents' house, um, pulled off from the highway, and uh, the, there was a craft hovering right at the top of the intersection. Uh, she tried to drive under it. The next thing she knew, she was on the other side of the highway on the intersection going in the opposite direction, uh, stopped at a garage where people had observed it too. And finally, by the time she made it to her parents' house, uh, the, the choir practice had ended hours before. Yeah, so, it's scarily similar in a lot of ways. There's so many cases there were missing time and things like that. It's just, the, it's so darn confusing. And humans love control. They love to be in control of this one player game they're playing called the human experience. And the second you lose it, it's frightening. And uh, I'm sure you heard the, or watched that, um, maybe you didn't, but uh, the, the Unsolved Mysteries last season had that Berkshires Mountain that mountain incident. Um, if, I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but- the Tom Reeds? Top, yeah, well, uh, the the other family there where they put the car back and the grandmothers in the driver's seat and stuff like that, another great yes, example. Yes, that, that was the Reed family. And I yeah. actually investigated that case and wrote about it in the alien abduction files. It was one of the five or six uh, cases that I wrote about at the end. I've been on uh, a television show about mm -hmm. it as well, where they misrepresented me as a local researcher and put me into um, a house that they rented that is nothing like mine. So they misrepresented the whole thing and, and cut it. I, I was unhappy with what they did. But yes, I know Tom Reed quite well. I'm, uh, he, in fact, he's a, a, a friend of my son. And uh, I, I have uh, investigated that case and absolutely that happened. There's seems, no doubt about it. It seems another one, I don't know if it's just the, the, that, that time frame or something, but it seems eerily similar and the equivalencies are there, you know, the, the just taking over while driving or things like that in general, replacing people in the car wrong or putting you back in, the, in, in bed the right way, but maybe your t-shirts backwards or something. I don't know. There's a lot of strange things like that. In there. Sometimes they put you in bed upside down so that your head is down uh, at the foot of the bed. Sometimes you end up underneath the bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> I would probably be concerned. They make mistakes sometimes. <laughs> have, uh, 
have you ever heard of anyone feeling a hand grabbing them at night and then them waking up thinking someone's grabbing their hand? I, I've heard of that. I've also heard of uh, feeling like uh, somebody has grabbed them by the ankles and pulled them. Um, so what are you working on now? <laughs> I have just finished uh, a new book. Okay, tell us and, about it, please. <laughs> Uh, it is not yet published. I've sent it in. Um, the, uh, it is about my life and my experiences and uh, the research I've participated in, uh, the findings, the messages from a really important research study that a, a team and I, I was part of the team of investigators over a two-year period where we met with a man who was communicating with what he believed were extraterrestrials. Our um, objective was to determine scientifically if this was real. And uh, we received enough evidence on instruments uh, and uh, also personal observations, uh, personal communication, with these non-humans that we, we know that this is real and it is going to contain over a hundred messages from them. Wow. When do you expect this book, or hope this book to be released? I hope it will be released by this spring. Uh, if, if the company that I sent it to doesn't publish it, I'm self-publishing this. If they, if they don't do this quickly, I may just go to Amazon and, and put it on Amazon. I'm sure you'll sell out right then and there. I think that it's really important. And, you know, I'm pretty well known in the field. I think so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I um, think every... that people will be interested in, in reading it. And I have my own personal experiences in that book, too, when they started and uh, my reaction. I, well, I'd love to hear more about that. I'm sorry that I was just asking about your uncle and your thoughts of what's going on today with the stuff in my own cases. And one well, of the I'm things I'll... I'm saving that until the book is released. <laughs> okay, good. Could, before before I let you go, though, since I, I, I could you just tell us um, uh, the the if if someone wanted to seek maybe healing or recovery from an incident, I kind of hear that a lot, quite a bit actually through email or through anecdotal messages and stuff. Where would you suggest they go? Would there be healers out there, or would the were would there be maybe something in the future they can look forward to with a protocol or, or talking to one of these channelers or something? There are healers. Uh, and then there are uh, people who do use the quantum healing hypnosis technique. Uh, that's what I use. I talked earlier about uh, a couple of people who developed rheumatoid arthritis after uh, an encounter, it's a three-person abduction. And two of them developed arthritis. I worked with one in hypnosis and uh, she was healed through the quantum healing hypnosis technique. Uh, she started to develop symptoms about a year later, but she just listened to the healing part of that again and the symptoms went away. So that's a, a good technique um, when you want healing, I believe. Okay, well, I'm, I think I'd like to try it because I am jacked up. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, uh, Kathleen, for, for coming back on and giving me a second chance here. And I apologize for accidentally getting the first interview. How embarrassing. Um, 
but I would oh, love for <laughs> I'd love for people to head over to your website and I'll have, make sure it's at the bottom of your pages. It's Kathleen. It's K uh, yeah K A T H L E E N dash Martin dot com M A R D E N dot com and you see your books, upcoming UFO conferences, and uh, all different types of stuff in there that contribute to the field. And thank you very much again. It was my pleasure. Great to talk with you again. Thank you. Oh, by the way, Nick Hunter from UFO Chronicles podcast says hello. Tell her I said hi. <laughs> <laughs> He's an English blow. I'm sure. I think he did a show. Okay. All right. Thank you again. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. We had just we had just shut the interview off, but then you laid some great wisdom on on me, and I would love to for you to say it again. You said some advice for people that wanted healing. Yes, I I think that if you are an experiencer and you want healing, and you believe that they are the reason that you became ill, then several times a day, just send telepathic messages to them. They will hear you. If they take you, send these telepathic messages to them. Uh, and uh, I have to tell you, when I spoke with that non-human, that man in Australia, I said, you people made me sick. I've been sick for a very long time. I had to give up my professional career because of you. And I've been disabled. And this is not a good thing that you're doing to humans. And I want to be healed. I didn't think that I would be healed. Four days later, they came and they took me and they healed me. So I know that they will do this. At least they did for me. And they've done it for several other people that I've worked with. Incredible. That's uh, all right. You heard that. Use that advice. Take them, ask them to do the work, put the work in. They did, they did the damage. Thank you so much again for that. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay, goodbye. Have a good day. Goodbye.